Hi everyone, welcome to the Geomologist Presents. Kind of a shorter session today before we get into the week. Although last week was not very strong in the gaming department or in games play department, this week uh, proves to be, or on paper at least, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, it looks like there's a Tuesday game, a Wednesday game. Um, so Tuesday is Twilight 2000, Wednesday is... Pathfinder 2, Abomination Vaults, and then I go out of town for a couple days, and then uh, Saturday is DCC, Sunday is Ash, maybe other games in there too. Jason is planning on running a after midnight game way early in the morning that I might join. So yeah, and in this couple of calls from Jason here in this podcast, and then um couple other well one short segment on unboxing and then uh the recap of my one-on-one play with my wife amy where we play uh some call of cthulhu so yeah i guess jason and i have been sniping at each other and uh i will apologize here if i've said something that's gotten his nerves just as he does in the following couple of callings hey carl great episode yeah, maybe I shouldn't joke so much. Not everybody gets my sense of humor. I wasn't serious about dropping out of all your games, but I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. And so I will apologize to everyone on your show for that. Definitely not my intention. Um, yeah. And I think you bring up some interesting points. I, I agree with you, by the way, as far as settings, which is why if you notice in the adventures of mine that you've played in, I tend not to use settings or we use them very loosely. So that way, you know, I'm not running up against any kind of continuity stuff because I'm not using it. <laughs> I make up my own. So that, that, that to me is the advantage of not running pre-written stuff because I can't run into the player saying, well, actually, this is the way it was, or you missed this because they don't know because I made it up. But anyhow, great job. Great episode. That's very cool that you're getting to play with Andy and his, his gang. Good job there. I hope that goes well. Look forward to um, hearing future reports on that. I hope you and Amy get to play a game tonight, Saturday night, the night you release the podcast. That will be very cool. I look forward to playing with you on Tuesday with Twilight 2000. And, yeah, again, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings with joking about quibble stuff. But, I I, I mean, you got a little on my nerves, too, with a couple things. So it is what it is. But we, we need to be able to get past that and, you know, focus our efforts on something useful, like getting angry at Joe Richter for something he said. So now that I've set that stage, I will exit stage left. Yeah, Jason. um, First off, I apologize if I irritated you somehow. I know we keep sniping at each other, and generally sometimes we're good at handling sarcasm because we're both sarcastic. That's probably why we get along, but other times we just get irritated. So again, I apologize if I irritated you with something, right? Like uh, not having ladders in Kalmata, it gets old. Uh, so um, although last time I played Kalmata, I think Taylor brought that joke up. But um, yeah, anyway, 
yeah, let's uh, move forward and blame Joe Richter because that seems to be the coolest thing to do, though Joe and I totally get along for the most part, um, I think. I think we do. Although I do like procedural in OSR um, type games. I do like uh, random encounters and wandering monsters. And the people who have been in those games really enjoy that aspect because it's kind of fun to see what the hell is going to happen today. Not let's do a point crawl or anything like that. So, um, so yeah, running, I think I talked, yeah, running in, in a fantasy world, a published fantasy world can run into that problem. And I think, again, as I'm learning to be a better GM and establish that type of stuff in Session Zero, this is my Forgotten Realms, this is my Eberron, this is my Midgard, whatever. Um, and that's where we're going to run it and take it or leave it. And uh, that would be cool, right? So, yep. Again, I apologize. And let's uh, hear an unboxing. Hey, I'm going to do an unboxing. I haven't done one in a couple episodes. Un or ripping envelopes does not count, right? So I got myself an Amazon box from Prime. Their standard, like, box that's about two and a half inches tall and you know I guess it's about not eight and a half by eleven but the next size up so um yes yeah, a two point nine pound box I'm gonna open it I don't have a box cutter I just have a pair of scissors that serve as a box cutter well enough So it is a game book, and it is the Genesis The Killing Game. So if you might have heard, this is the second part in their like initial trilogy, and the Genesis is a post-apocalyptic world, and you might have heard that, um, as mentioned around the internet a few days ago, that they're canceling all development of the Genesis IP and bringing the RPG to an end. So they're going to sell off existing stock and all books and booklets that sell out, well, they won't be reprinted. I guess they tried this model where all the PDFs are free, and then they would expect you to like then buy the print stuff, but that hasn't been as lucrative as they intended. Sure, there's been thousands of downloads of the PDFs and lots of fervor for the game, but no one's really bought stuff up. I mean, I have the Rebirth Edition and the first uh, one of this trilogy, In Thy Blood, I'm planning on getting the Black Atlantic, the last one. So, um, so yeah, I'm getting them, and I'll probably buy more stuff as they go. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Maybe get one of the... Justinian looks pretty fantastic as well. It's a new, like, uh, adventure trilogy. I mean, I have a lot of it on PDF, and I've been wanting to put it to the table, but haven't bought it because we haven't played it. But now that they're going away, well, I'll buy it now. It's kind of a weird thing, right? Um, yeah, the dogs don't like it, as you can hear in the background. But there it is, the Genesis The Killing Game, part two of their initial trilogy for the Rebirth Edition. Hello, I wanted to give a content warning to the next 
19 minutes skip ahead um, if you would like the following recap deals with I would say violence against children they're turned into monstrous zombies and in the course of the adventure there's a couple birds that uh, get killed so um, yeah if you don't like that type of content skip ahead 19 minutes after this morning message so last night Amy and I finished the Dead of Night scenario from Arkham Unveiled. This is part of our ongoing one-on-one -on -one campaign. Um, we're running through Arkham Unveiled now. It started with one of the scenarios in the Call of Cthulhu starter set for 7th edition. And we'll see where it goes. It might stay one-on-one, -on -one, but there are talks about combining a couple campaigns of Call of Cthulhu that I have into one so we have you know more players. Right, and you can face more danger. Although Amy's done a great job with her character Keiko Kane of making relationships with the NPCs in town, especially um, those among the police, Mickey Harrigan, the good detective and rugby player, and some of the the patrolmen who, like in this adventure, they decided to temporarily elevate to help with the investigation. So it was like detective in training, and that was a, a, a patrolman bolster. So when we last left Keiko, um, she had, they had returned. Her, Vicky, and bolster had returned to the, um, the police station after a harrowing night of destroying one of the child zombies. And I guess I will say, well, yeah, she destroyed one of the child zombies. And we're recovering from that harrowing experience. It was both physically traumatic and mentally traumatic for all of the parties involved. The advantage of being at the police department is that they get the news before the news gets the news. And there were a couple reports of um, that they heard. One, that there had been vandalism at the cemetery. And another, that there had been um, an attack on a homeless person out on River Street. Um, which was along the Mis Miskatonic River in an area of old Georgian abandoned warehouses. Though there was other types of activity there as well. So I believe they went to St. Mary's Hospital first, where Amy's character has like a, an appointment of some sort, and uh, they, the man had checked himself out. So then they went to River Street, where Amy's character almost had a run-in with some of the local mob, but... Uh, was saved both by her ability to stand these ruffians down and the appearance of one of their sort of underbosses, a guy named Eddie Leary, who Amy sort of flirted with, or Amy's character flirted with and got on her side. So he told his men to take a hike and helped her to uh, do like a spot-on medical examination of the homeless people in the alley adjoining the uh, Lucky Carthage uh, warehouse where apparently there were some illicit activities going on, bootlegging probably. <clears throat> the homeless were being used as like watchmen, uh, free watchmen for the trade of booze. Um, and I think what was interesting too is that she, she had like Mickey and Bolster backing her up, but you know, as 
Kay Cocaine is bold and um, she went there by herself and then when things were getting maybe hairy she could see Mickey peeking around the corner his gun drawn ready to, to join in but she kind of told him not to because that would have been kind of bad you know police uh, fighting up against some known you know bootlegger gang members um, so so it was pretty it was pretty cool little bit of role-playing they did not find the person who was attacked um, who knows what happened to them but uh, then they decided to go back uh, to to the station for a little bit and then they went to go investigate uh, the cemetery so somewhere in that time Amy's character was able to continue to study the book uh, the Narlar some, the Nayargo Codex and learn the spell Destroy Zombie, which entailed uh, the killing of a bird and then pointing that dead bird at a zombie, which would then subsequently be destroyed in theory. So she made the rolls to learn it. It seems like it's a much simpler process. Um, of course, casting a spell costs sanity, and she'd already lost sanity for reading the, the Codex. Um, she hasn't read the other book because she gave it to her quote-unquote friend, um, Mrs. Waite, self, a so-called self, what's it called, self, uh, defines her self-defining sorceress. So, um, see how that plays. That could be something for a lot, part of the long-term campaign. Who knows? Anyway, the weight woman is in the background, but, you know, told, encouraged uh, Keiko Kane to study this book, the Codex, where she would borrow another book to look through. And then they compare notes. Have fun, said uh, Edith Waite. I think it's Edith. No, it's some other, it's a strange name, but I don't remember it at the top of my head. Anyway, so she's able to study the book. They got to the cemetery and they they discover, um, they look at the the vandal the vandalism site. The caretakers are kind of um, upset about it. They don't want the cops to get involved, not get involved, but report it so much and not take the blame for any sort of incompetence. So there's a good a bit of like you know talking to the caretakers and finding out information in the graveyard. They discover or they try they look for the. For Jason Checkley's the Checkley family mausoleum, um, they see that it has been broken into, um, and in fact, Jason Checkley's tomb has been opened up, and the hands have been taken, um, which causes some consternation and sanity checks. Um, so, like it's it was a kind of a, what I liked about the adventure is that it's kind of a slow, like a lot of adventures they don't. I seem seems that they don't make you roll sanity until towards the end but this one I like because it's kind of a slow slow delve into madness you know so so it was so they saw that um, then they decided well what about the other tomb or the other tombs in the mausoleum and they saw that the the kids the tombs where the children had not been disturbed but I think Amy's character Keiko wanted to make sure so in light of what um, they found in the tomb, in the mausoleum, they were able to get a judge's order to, um, 
open the other the other tombs which they they did and they found um they found that the bodies of the children had did not have corpses in them but instead bags of sand um so they knew that the children were or at least i mean the three investigators in this case amy's character keiko kane mickey harrigan and patrolman bolster um knew that yeah what they were seeing might be real which is was very concerning and disturbing for all of them and again they started incurring some sanity loss so they also looked around the checkley mausoleum and found some tracks um thanks to some really good and extreme spot hidden role on amy's part and some tracking roles by the npcs which i have amy role sometimes as well and they they found uh, that this these tracks led to a trail uh further in the woods of an old uh rundown mausoleum the carter mausoleum which is crumbling and built into the side of a hill kind of like an old barrow and they said well i bet you one of the children is there so based on the on the advice of the spell or the instructions on the spell um, they came back at night and uh, made the circle stayed in the circle amy made sure that she had uh, mickey and bolster close their eyes and chant while while she chanted and led the spell and took the magic point loss and the sanity loss but what was lucky with Amy is that she was only losing like one point of sanity at a time so when the zombie thing came out the child zombie thing came out this was like the youngest the youngest of the three um, she was able to hold it at bay because of the circle and then destroy it with the destroy zombie spell and it turned you know the poor child turned into a zombie into a pile of black goo so it was destroyed the soul freed and that kind so that was satisfying for the events of the first night and that's another thing i liked about this adventure um is that like they give you like the initial investigative parts and then there's a series of events that happen over the course of the next several days and if you kind of sit on your hands then it kind of it escalates and and so you know amy went back to her apartment um said goodbye to the others and then said okay i'll meet you at the station the next day um so she goes there early to the station and then there's two things that have happened uh one of the, the constable on duty the night constable on duty oh one thing i should remember so if you remember that there's been someone trying to steal the bones of the old voodoo priestess that they found um, in the house. So Amy came up with an idea to have them take the bones and put them in a bank vault. So if someone tried to break in, they couldn't get them. So, so I had her actually roll a series of luck rolls, um, persuade rolls, and especially credit rating to see if she could pull this off. The luck roll to see if anyone noticed that the bones were transferred, a persuade roll to get Mickey and them to do it, and then a credit rating to have the bank finalize the transaction. Um, so she rolled all those pretty well, which was cool. So it happened, got put in the vault. So then when they came the next day, 
and there is a constable shaken up because he had been attacked. Well, we don't know why he was shaken up. Amy couldn't. That's the only time that Amy couldn't get a series of rolls to get clues in the game. He was shaken up and something had happened. Someone had to try to either attack him or attack the, um, what is it called? The, the room where the evidence room and, and presumably make a way with things. But uh, the constable couldn't remember or was very shaken. They sent him to St. Mary's for evaluation. Amy could not do, Amy's character could not do a spot evaluation at that time. The other strange things that happened as they were processing this is uh, someone came and said there's been a murder out on River Street. Um, and they head out there right away. And they run into the members of the O'Banion gang bootleggers again, one of which probably the third watch, not the people that kind of threatened and confronted Keiko Kane the day before, but another group of employees at the Lucky Carthage cargo house or whatever it's called, Cordage. It's got a funny name. Anyway, uh, Larry's there though, and he's talking to another policeman, Ray Stuckey, and Amy notices that they seem to know each other, which is suspicious, but probably again for a later part in the campaign. But, um, so they find the body. It looks, you know, she's the coroner is known to Amy, and he kind of, you know, as Ray Stuckey kind of protests that why is this person there? The coroner lets Amy's on the despite the protests of this Ray Stuckey, the coroner um, says that Amy is Keiko Kane is with him, and Amy examines the body. Amy's character examines the body, and it is you know torn. The face is torn off. The neck is torn out. It's pretty gruesome. Um, so they know that the other one, the last of the three um, zombie children, is probably in the area. So while, so she kind of talks to Mickey and Bolster and says, okay, we need to find this thing. Let's let Stucky, since it's, you know, it seems that he's maybe a, a crooked cop and isn't, you know, league with the mob. Maybe he can take care of this mob related investigation. So they go and they, Amy rolls some spot hiddens. They find some tracks and they go in the, in a direction into the old Georgian area where all the Georgian abandoned warehouses are located. And, uh, and Amy's like, well, the sun isn't up, is it? And I said, no, it's still, you know, pre-dawn. So she goes, well, I'm going to do the ritual. So, uh, you know, she knows she's being watched and something is out there. So she performs a ritual and again, kills it on the power roll against the creature. Um, it looks like the zombies did not have a lot of power anyway. So very easy to be compelled. So the zombie, the last zombie child is, comes out, although it's more of like a zombie teenager, um, and, uh, is then destroyed with the ritual. Um, Amy had Amy had had Mickey or Bolster capture a seagull that was nearby, uh, throw it in a bag, and then perform the ritual, and, and kind of anticipating that this could be a possibility to end it there. Uh, the thing that did happen though is, as as well, the first time that she performed this, Keiko Kane remained lucid after she performed the ritual and took the sanity hit for the spell. Keiko Kane lost it and then began 
saw an apparition of Jason Checkley um, and started attacking it. When in, you know, in reality, she was attacking Mickey, and uh, Mickey was able to dodge and fend her off, and then uh, Mickey and Bolster were able to grab and hold on to Keiko so she wouldn't hurt herself or others until she calmed down. And then Keiko kind of comes to, wakes up um, back at the at the station, police station. Uh, Mickey and Bolster are very concerned, you know, uh, looking over her and, you okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. So it was good. She goes up and gives Bolster a hug. And then uh, because she's still kind of out of it, you know, right? So, right? So the way sanity works is like you have this, you can have this bout of madness, but then you're temporarily insane for a while. So you're prone to fits or um, acts of emotion that you wouldn't normally do. So Amy decides that she's going to plant a kiss on Mickey's lips. And uh, yeah, Mickey responds in kind. So it's pretty cool. And then we, um, you know, they are able to rest a little bit. And Mickey has his rugby game. Uh, I had Amy roll his rugby and she failed the first time. So she pushed it. I said, well, it could mean that Mickey gets hurt. She goes, oh, but I want him to win. So she rolled and, you know, I just had him roll like his, seriously, the Mickey character is written with a rugby uh, skill. So she rolled his rugby skill and he, he killed it, got a hard success. So I had, I narrated that uh, Mickey scored the winning try, the scrum half after all. He could do that off of scrum, you know, within the, within five meters, for sure. I've seen it many times. So he wins the, they wins the game, probably gets a little knocked on the head, but... Uh, you know, Amy takes care of him, hugs him, gives him another kiss again. And, you know, uh, people people cheer and clap and ho-ho. And we end with a, on a positive note. So I did have an epilogue that uh, they did find those missing hands. You know, there's a, in the newspaper a couple days later, uh, there was a, um, a vile scene at one of the hotels where there was a, an animal that had been slaughtered and some sort of ritual performed or done. And they had found the missing hands of Jason Checkley. So I guess those hands were returned to their tomb. And now maybe another adventure hook is a pursuit of this mysterious Dr. Marquis, uh, a tall African-American man, very distinguished looking with a French accent. So we'll see where that goes. And uh, it was really fun. It was cool. Um, I think Amy is pretty lucky. And I'm, maybe I make her roll way too much. Um, but she really gets into it and enjoys the game. I like how she is interacting with the NPCs and and making that, you know, sort of connection with Mickey. So, you know, if we do, she, I guess she'll have a henchman, you know, if we go on an adventure with other players, that they'll have Mickey Harrigan there, depending on whether he can get Lee from his duties at the you know, Arkham Police. But uh, we'll see. It's very fun. So there you go. A very long recap of um, the conclusion to Dead of Night with uh, Amy as Keiko Kane. All right, that's the show. Um, I had a great time running a one-on-one -on -one adventure with my wife, Amy. She does a really fantastic job with Keiko Kane. I think we really get into it. There's a couple arguments here and there. She definitely is reluctant to do actual play because then she feel like, feels like she would have to act. Um, maybe I'll convince her one of these days. 
to do that. We argue sometimes about the rules. She might know them better. I don't know. So I definitely hope we can continue this campaign. It's a kind of neat Arkham Unveiled campaign. There's definitely some hooks that you can take that are not related to their adventures in the back of the book. There's like four adventures in the in the back, but it's mostly all Arkham, and it's kind of a neat. Um, I definitely recommend it if you want to set a game in and around Arkham, and then you can uh, jump off and do some Arkham Country type of stuff as well, or Tales from the Miskatonic Valley, um, all those kind of product. There's both uh, official Chaosium products and third-party products for that type of adventure. So, yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, hope to do it again. I think it's sporadic, maybe every other week. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll do something next Saturday. I don't know. Depends on how inspired we feel and what kind of stuff we got going on during the day. But uh, again, thanks for listening. And uh, I'll see you next time. TJ Drennan does the music. And TJ, take us out.